a big, a big God bless you to everyone because we, we set out a couple weeks ago uh, with a giving campaign that wasn't for carpet. Amen. But thank God for all the brand new carpet. It wasn't for paint. Thank God for all new painting that's happened here and all the things that have happened. It wasn't for, you know, cameras. We got cameras going all everywhere and we got all kind of, just all kind of uh, stuff. And you probably be, be reeling when you hear the numbers of uh, what it costs to do all these things. Um, but God is faithful. God's been taking care of all, every one of those things. And, uh, but we did set up a giving campaign because we were determined to be a blessing to people in Haiti, in Zambia, and in Zimbabwe. And uh, I have uh, contacts. In fact, uh, Pastor Joshua Alexis uh, is here. Great to have him a part of our family here. And uh, we've, we just love their family, too. <laughs> Amen. And um, grateful for their ministry. God's opened doors. Uh, I'm going to have him testify about, about Haiti, you know, what, what God, the doors that God has opened for him uh, to expand the ministry that he's been doing in Haiti. And uh, so we don't want to be a blessing to them, as well as the contacts that we have already on the ground in Zambia and in Zimbabwe. And so we asked you to, to for a week. We had World Missions Week from, January, from May 24th through May 31st. And uh, I didn't give you a goal, but I had a goal in mind, what I was looking for us to um, put together to be a blessing. And uh, I want you to know that we surpassed that goal uh, on that week. It's so awesome. Um, through that week, my goal was for us to, to put together $10,000. And we put together... $10,799.70. So that's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I was telling the pastor on, uh, when I was talking to him yesterday, I said, you know, for us, you know, I've been pastoring this church 22 years just about. Um, we've only been around just about 22 years, so I've been here from the beginning. <laughs> and uh, that is the single largest uh, giving campaign in terms of that short period of time. And we've raised more than that several times, but I mean, for that short a period of time, because we said it eight days, let's get it and hit it. And, um, and so I want to just commend you for your generosity and your love for people that you don't even know. People that you don't know that you may never meet on this side of heaven. But I got a, a sneaky suspicion that when you get over in heaven, God will let those people know, hey, that's who it was. See that guy over there? That's one of those guys who, one of those ladies who took care of you all when you were in a rough patch. And so um, uh, we are going to start sending it off. And I know there's more monies that have come in since then. And uh, but every dime of it is going to go out to those uh, three places, um, those three countries, to be a blessing. So, again, kudos, hats off to everybody for your generosity. And God's going to bless you richly. Amen? Amen? All right. Ready to get into the Word of God today? Okay, let's open our Bibles again to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to read uh, five verses, verses 5 through 9. Joshua chapter 1, verse 5 through 9, verses 5 through 9. Again, I want to say welcome to all of our guests that are here. We appreciate you being here with us today. You could have been anywhere, just about anywhere, but we're glad you're here. 
Everybody have Joshua chapter 1? Verses 5 through 9. I'm going to read from the New King James Version, so if you don't have that version, uh, you can read along uh, on the screen with us. Ready? Read. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have, not I, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go, wherever you go. In verse 5, it says, no man shall be able to stand before you. Glory to God. In verse 6, be strong and of a good courage. In verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. He said in verse 7, that you may prosper wherever you go. He said in verse 8, this book of the law, meditate in it. He's telling you what to meditate on. Meditate in it. Don't meditate on that. I want to help us today. Don't meditate on that. Meditate in it. He said, because if you meditate in it, you will make your way prosperous. You will. And then you will have good success. In verse 9, he says, be strong of good courage. Don't be afraid. Which means that there are things that will happen around you That'll, have, that'll be reason for you to be afraid. And he said, don't be dismayed. Don't be taken back. Which means there'll be things that you'll see and experience that may come to dismay you, to cause you to be dismayed. But he said, nope, don't worry about that because the Lord your God is with you. I need to know who's with me. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Today I want to talk on this subject. Please don't be offended. Don't become a victim. Don't become a victim. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. I know there's a lot going on, a lot going on. But, don't but don't become a victim. Father, we trust you to speak from heaven. We thank you and we recognize the authority of your voice and the power of your word. So we ask you today, Lord, to speak to us from heaven. Lord, I humble myself before you. I quench anything in me that would get in the way of what you want to say or do in this place today. And I pray that every person's heart is open to receive the word of the Lord. Speak to us. We will hear and obey. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And amen. All right, you may be seated. Don't become a victim. Glory to God. I can tell by y'all's excitement how you're feeling already. 
The CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, has uh, given guidelines in America that are designed to prevent us from becoming victims of COVID-19. For example, they've, they've set out guidelines or recommendations. They're not orders. Nobody's under any kind of order. Nobody's in, under any kind of law. These are just recommendations, guidelines, uh, such as social distancing, keep yourself six feet away from people. Of course, they haven't explained why. So it doesn't make sense because we know viruses don't leap like fleas. And if someone were to sneeze or cough, you can be 100 feet or 200 feet away. So that's, that's, that's they've proven that they can travel 200 feet. So six feet, I'm not sure what the purpose of that is. But that's their guideline, their recommendation. They, they recommend masks. And so people can choose to or not to wear masks. And that's their option. You know, I, I was thinking the other day, I've, I've been walking through the store, and it's like we used to be, you know, the haves and the have-nots, or you used to look at people based on, you know, I'm, I'm, can I just be frank? You know, as a, as, a, as a black man. As a black man, it's just been uh, customary that when you're walking through a place and you recognize another black person, you kind of... <laughs> right? The black, the black guys know what I'm talking about. You, you see, see another brother and you go, what's up? You don't know them? But you just, you just spoke a mouthful with that. You're like, that's like right on, brother. Right? So that, that's just how it is. But it's like now, it's when you see somebody in, in the store and they don't have a mask on, you're like, Or the people who do have masks on, they go, like, all right, well, that's what it is. But it's, it's, it's people's choice and nobody, you know, whatever, whatever makes you feel comfortable, amen? Amen. They, they recommend sanitization, you know, sanitizing your hands and sanitizing carts. And, you know, although now they've changed it and said, well, we discovered that the virus does not transfer on surfaces. Duh. Okay. okay. They, they can't live that long outside the body. That's basic high school science, ladies and gentlemen, okay? So they, they keep changing, but you know, we understand. They're doing the best they can with what they have. But their goal, which is a noble goal, is to try to prevent people from becoming victims of uh, disease. I checked the latest U.S. report and it says, reports that just over 1.9 million people in America uh, are confirmed to have contracted uh, coronavirus. So 1.9 million people, resulting in just under 110,000 deaths. Now, we don't, we're not happy about one person dying, so I'm not trying to belittle that, trust me. Um, but uh, that, that's, that's where it is. That's where it is. Now, out of that, you got a population of 328.2 million people. Which means that the infection rate in America is 0.5%. Not 1%, not 5%, 0.5%. So 0.5% of Americans have been infected, but 100% of Americans have been affected. Am I right about it? Every one of us have been affected. 
either a business had to close down or your job had to shut down or your school shut down or something. Every one of us have been affected by this pandemic. And so it's because uh, the virus, it's all around us. And, it's, it's, uh, and it, viruses don't go anywhere. So the virus will always be here. It's all around us. But the thing about it is you and I are here this morning because we, we absolutely just refuse to stop living. That's the reason why you still go to the grocery store and you still go to the, to the mall. <laughs> Y'all in the mall now and everything. It was so, so funny. We were, we were coming home Friday night, uh, my family and I. We were coming home, driving down uh, 4th Street, and uh, we, we hit um, what well, is a place called, uh, can I call the name of the place? Yeah, it's not, not an issue. place called Parks and Rec. It's, y'all ever heard of that downtown 4th Street? And it's a restaurant, sort of uh, bar, mainly a bar, you know. And as we passed there, it was jam-packed. Outside was jam-packed. And then we looked inside, and it was jam-packed. I mean, shoulder-to-shoulder people. And I thought, what happened to social distancing? <laughs> jam-packed with people having fun, having a good time. And I wanted to pull over and go take a picture, except I thought I would have got in a fight because they would have thought I was trying to report them. And I would have said, I'm not trying to report y'all. I, I really want to report to the church. That here they are in the world having a blast in tight quarters, hanging out for three, four, five hours together, and yet we're letting people tell us that you can't be in church for an hour in closed quarters. Something's wrong. That people have decided they're just gonna I'm just gonna keep living. <laughs> Interesting, just about 500 yards uh, northwest of that. There was a protest going on right on Central Avenue. And, of course, nobody social distancing, no protest. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> nobody think about no, pro- no social distancing. Right? But what I want you to understand is that these two issues that are now have America sandwiched in, it's the curse that's all around us. There's violence all around us. There's hatred all around us. There's racism all around us. There's discrimination all around us. And there are injustices that are all around us. And just like the virus isn't leaving, hatred isn't leaving, racism isn't leaving, discrimination isn't leaving, injustice isn't leaving. And we're going, you know, I understand we're going to march for justice and we're going to fight to get justice. You, you, we're not going to get rid of injustice. We can correct injustices, but you're not going to eliminate injustice. It's because you're dealing with the heart of man. The Bible says, I think it's in John, uh, John chapter 2. Uh, glory to God, I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. Because I don't want to just try to quote it and mess around and misquote it. This wasn't in my notes, media. I know y'all already had my next scripture up ready. Media team's on point. John 2, verse 23. John 2, verse 23. 
Look at this. I'm, I'm going to start at verse 23. It says, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But watch verse 24. Y'all listen to me. But, when, but Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. And he had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. So Jesus Christ was not naive, oblivious to what's in the heart of man. He understands that men's hearts have been darkened. So he wasn't expecting to see justice and peace and mercy and compassion. He wasn't expecting to see that. He knows what's in man. So it's, it's no different for us in 2020 to think that we're going to all of a sudden see mass justice and compassion and mercy and all that kind of stuff. We're not naive. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And so it's all right to march. It's all right to protest. It's not, not all right to burn down. Not all right to loot. Not all right to do that stuff. But it's all right to, to speak up. We're called to speak up for mercy and justice. Y'all are quiet. Can I just throw this in at you? Put up uh, Matthew 23, 23. This is just a note. This isn't for y'all. This is for all my uh, evangelical brothers who are being quiet and don't want to say anything and think, think we're supposed to be quiet too. Jesus said, what are you scribes, Pharisees, evangelical hypocrites? Because you're going to beat everybody down by paying tithes. You're going to, you better pay your tithe. You pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. So there are some things that he says, Jesus, this is Jesus talking in your Bible, right? Jesus says there's some things that are more important than tithing. And you're going to beat people in the head for tithing. But he said, don't neglect the weightier, the more important matters. Justice, mercy, and faith. He says, these you ought to have done, keep going, without leaving the others undone. So he said, yeah, tithe. So Jesus taught tithing. But don't, don't hamper on tithing, or harp on tithing, rather, and leave out justice, mercy, and faith. You got it? So that being said, I understand that people are, you know, up in arms right now. And I want to make sure that as a pastor... I help us uh, get straightened out. We got to navigate it because we're not about to get rid of hatred or racism or injustice and all those things here. You got it? Not this week, not next month, not next year, not until Jesus comes. Okay? Okay? Now, here's what I want you to understand. These evils are from hell. That being said, I don't want you looking at people. It's from hell. It's from Satan. Y'all with me here? Satan is out to destroy people's lives. Jesus told us that in John 10, 10. He said the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he does. 
So we shouldn't be surprised if that's what the devil's doing. And he, 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 the devil doesn't come, uh, let me just say it right, he, he uses people and systems, okay? So you and I have to make sure that we don't allow ourselves to manifest the same hatred. Come on, saints. The same racism. Y'all didn't say anything. That we don't act in the same injustice. Now y'all just, y'all, some of y'all get, get mad at me. Don't get mad at me. I'm, I'm just, I'm helping you. Trust me, I'm mad. I've been mad all week. I, when I sat to press through, I've had to press through praying, press through praising, press through all this stuff because I've been mad. I've been mad. And I've been even more mad at the silence of the church. Men of God. Some of them have been silent. Some of them have been speaking, but been speaking stupid. First John five nineteen. I can, I can keep going, but I'm, I gotta. I ask the Holy Ghost to help me. First John five nineteen. He's helping me right now. Because I'm talking about the fact that this is from Satan. When I say this, I'm talking about. All the things we're talking about here. It says the whole world, at the end of this verse, lies under the sway, that word sway means control, of the wicked one. So the devil's behind all this stuff here. Are you hearing me today? Now, I want you to look at John 14, 30. They can put it on the screen for me, please, because I'm going to look at an amplified Bible. In John 14, glory to God, I got my amplified Bible right here. John 14. And verse 30, Jesus says something powerful here. This is what I want to use to help us. Because remember I just told you first, uh, in 1 John 5, 19, the whole world's lying under, under control of the wicked one. John 10, 10, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we know the devil's behind this. The devil's behind all of these things we see. He's behind virus. He's behind all of it. And watch this. Verse 30 of John 14, Amplified Bible. Jesus says, I will not talk with you much more. For the prince, evil genius, ruler of the world is coming. Now, who is he talking about, ladies and gentlemen? He's talking about Satan. He's saying Satan is coming. And Jesus calls Satan the prince, the evil genius, and the ruler of the world. Evil genius. Like pinky in the brain. Y'all remember somebody? Remember the cartoon? Like, you remember that, what was that movie uh, with Minnie Me and what's, uh, Austin Powers? Yeah, okay. World, they were looking for world dominance. So Satan wants to control this world, right? He says he's coming and he has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. You see that? There is nothing in me that belongs to him and I could throw in here and therefore he has no power over me. So he recognized that Satan rules this world. Satan runs the world's systems. He recognized, Jesus Christ recognized, that Jesus himself, he was in this world. 
Just like you and I today in 2020, we are in this world. But he said, that evil genius has no power over me. Y'all need to hear this. So Satan has no power over me. The only power that he has over you is what you give him. I'm talking today about not becoming a victim. About not giving Satan power over you. Let me give you an example. For example, uh, America was hit in 2001 by terrorist strikes. And what has happened since 2001, now for 19 years just about, those terrorists, even though many of them are dead, are still exercising their power over us. That's why if you want to fly, you got to take your shoes off. That's why if you want to fly, you can't take more than three and a half ounce bottle of lotion or, or, or whatever you want to take with you. You can't take your own water on the plane. You got to buy your water at the airport for $6. Every, you, because that's just the way it is. They still have power over us. You understand this here? So Jesus wants to make sure that you and I know that even though he's, he at that time was here on this planet, Satan, who's running the world, he said, but I'm not giving him power over me. Y'all missed that. He's running the world, but I'm not going to let him run me. Glory to God. So today I want to help you to make sure that you don't give Satan any power over you. All right? Now, Wednesday I preached a message entitled, I Can't Take It Anymore. That was my, 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 if you allow this, diatribe on racism in America. That was my response to what's going on. And what I try to convey to you is that at the end, hopefully you listen to the end, is that if you don't know how to use your faith, you will be crushed by this world system. If you don't know how to use your faith, you will be crushed by this world system. I conveyed to you the, 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 the poignancy of that picture that we saw of, the, of the, the officer on the gentleman's neck, that it was a picture of a system crushing a people. But what I, try, I also try to convey to you is, if you don't know how to use your faith, Satan will crush you individually. And it's regardless of race. Because the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That means it doesn't matter if he runs into a black person or a white person or a brown person or a yellow person. He's out to destroy. And if you don't, you don't know how to use your faith, he's going to crush you. This world system is going to crush you. Your gender. He'll, he'll crush you. Regardless of nationality, he's going to crush you. Are you hearing me? Now, I want you to look in a scripture that you know very well. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. 1 John 5, verse 4. It says, for whatever is born of God, whatever God produces, 
overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. The King James says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So, remember now, Satan is running this world system. Satan's running this whole world system. But there's something God has given you that can help you overcome it. And if you don't know it, you're going to be a victim. If you don't know how to use your faith, you're going to be crushed. And if you allow Satan to put something in your mind that says you can't overcome it, then you will, you will lock the door on your own prison. Are you hearing me? You will close the gate and lock the door and throw away the key on your own personal prison. And people around you will begin to flourish and come up because they're using your faith. And you'll be sitting there saying, well, what's wrong? It's a system. It's not the system. See, y'all, y'all was with me Wednesday. Y'all not with me today. See, because today I want, I want, to, today I want to present personal accountability. I can harp on a system Wednesday. But today I want to talk about personal accountability. In other words, asking neighbor, what you going to do? I know that's, that's not good English. That's not good English for all my people watching online. What are you going to do? What about you? This is the victory that overcomes the world, has overcome the world. Our faith. The victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So you have world overcoming power inside you called faith. How many of y'all have faith? You know the Bible, Jesus said not all men have, Paul rather, I'm sorry, Apostle Paul said not all men have faith. Jesus said when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? He didn't, he didn't say will I find justice in the earth. He already knew he wouldn't. Will I find equality in the earth? He knew he wasn't going to find no equality. Remember we just read in John 2, 23, he already knew what was in men's hearts. So he knows there are some bigoted, racist, unjust, uh, discriminatory, prejudiced people of all races. All hues, all colors. All. Are you trying to, trying to let people off the hook? No, I'm not trying to let anybody off the hook. I'm trying to get you off the hook. I want to get you out of your prison. I want to make sure you're set free to soar and run. Because the devil wants to get you convinced that a system can hold you back. Oh, y'all, y'all ain't saying much. Y'all mad. Come on now. Power to the people now. Come on now. I understand there's a system that's unjust. I understand there are people who hate you for your color or for your gender. And I'm going to tell you, because people, there's a lot more discrimination goes on than based on color. Just being a female 
keeps you out of certain things. Some people are discriminated based on their body shape. Can I talk about it? Can I talk about it? If if you're not not slim, trim, fit, there are certain places that you're not going to be allowed to work in. Operate in, you, people be chosen for roles and duties, and they, they because the people behind it, well, we want, we want to put good-looking people out front. Some of, y'all, some of y'all don't get offended. You might be too ugly to be in some places. You understand? I'm not talking about you. What I'm trying to get you to see is there are people who see, the Bible says man looks on the outward appearance. So I understand racism. I understand it. It's true. It's real. It's real in the church. That's what's frustrating me is how real it is in the church. People who are supposed to be loving God and loving his people, and yet they can't even see a people that's hurt. But it goes beyond that. It goes beyond that. People, people, people will bypass you because you ain't cute enough. Y'all ain't saying much to me. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. I know all y'all are cute, good-looking people. I'm just telling you this, this is the truth. This is the truth. This is the truth. Glory to God. Put me, give, give me 1 John 5, 4 in the CEV. Listen to this. You can, you can see with your own eyes. Every child of God. Can y'all see that? Yes. I make, is it on, on the screen? Okay. Every child of God. Am I, I'm looking for some, a few children of God in this place. If you're a child of God, let me see your hand. Okay. Every child of God can defeat the world. Let that sink in. Let that soak into your spirit. Let it soak past the soil of your anger. I'm angry, Pastor. I'm upset. I understand. Me too. But the more upset I'm getting, the more I'm determined to not let this world or anybody else hold me back. I'm more determined to use my faith. My wife and I have made a commitment in this last week. Because of what we've been seeing, what, the things we've seen, and the things and people that have disappointed us, we are more determined than ever to preach you into your prosperity. <laughs> to preach you into your purpose and your destiny. And, not, and that's why I'm preaching the message today. I told my wife Thursday morning. I got up Thursday morning and I told her, I said, hey, here's what I'm hearing. We got to make sure we avoid a victim mentality. That's why I'm preaching this. I said, I, 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 this is what I'm hearing in my spirit. We got to make sure we avoid a victim mentality because we can get here and get a victim mentality and all of a sudden be stuck till we die. Oh, that's good. Whew. Something mad. But what do you do when you get mad? You got to turn that, that anger. 
Not let it get you in despair. You start doing something you never thought you could do. You, you, you get up and you decide, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to go back and get some more training. I'm not going to let... I ain't going to let nobody turn me around, turn me around. That's what they used to say, turn me around. See, see, and what happens if, if we get a victim mentality, we'll let the system and our perception of it turn us around. Put that scripture back up on the screen for me, please. I want you to see this here. 1 John 5, 4 and the CEV, the CEV. I want you to see it. For whatever is, no, CEV, thank you. Every child of God can defeat the world. Oh, just, just, just let that soak down into your heart. Every child of God, it doesn't matter what color you are, what gender you are, what nationality you are, whether you're pretty, whether you're smart enough, whether you're the right height, the right body shape enough, it doesn't matter. Isn't it interesting? It used to be all the models in the world were this 36, 24, 36 models. Well, no, not really. Let me correct that. They were, they were slim, trim, fit. And all of a sudden, the last couple years, now all of a sudden, the curvaceous, curvy models. Because now we can't body shame anymore. What happened? Somebody with some curves decided, bump y'all. I'm good with me. I'm good with me. We ain't all cut like that. We ain't all built like that. I'm still fine. <laughs> That's what somebody said, right? <laughs> Glory to God. Come on now. Am I right about it? Glory to God. So every child of God can defeat the world. And our faith is what gives us this victory. Our faith is what gives us this victory. What victory? Defeating the world. Now, when it says the world, he doesn't talk about you going there and beating up trees. He's not talking about you going out there beating up whales and dogs and stuff and rocks. He's not he's also not talking about you going out there beating up people. He's talking about a world system. So yes, there, is, there are systemic issues in America. Yes, there are. Education, in banking, in, 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 in government, in housing, and there are systemic issues. Yes, they're part of the world system. But every child of God <laughs> I got good news for you this morning. Every child of God, I don't care how big and bad the system is, I don't care who's in the White House or the outhouse, every child of God can defeat the system. You know, listen, 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 listen. It's people always trying to beat the system. That's why, I'm, I'm about to mess with some of y'all. That's why I remember being in the barber shop. I was a barber for 13 years, Tony. 
And the barbershop, we always have people come through trying to beat the system. What you mean beat the system? They bring their food stamps into the shop and sell all the food stamps 50 cent on the dollar. Y'all know how to write something. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna beat the system. Right? They got their own system. Right? So every person, and I don't care, I don't care if you're talking about white-collar crimes. When people are cooking books and they're, they're destroying pensions, ruining people's retirements, what are they doing? They're beating the system. In their mind, they're trying to beat the system. Are you hearing this? But every child of God can defeat the world's, the world's system, and our faith is what gives us this victory. How many of y'all have faith this morning? Well, you have what it takes to whip the system. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Now, let me just tell you, let me just settle your heart, because some of y'all looking at me funny. Like, what happened to the pastor we had Wednesday? He's still here. I'm still I'm right here. I'm still the same pastor from Wednesday. And Deacon Gershman, I've already gone in. We're working on We're going to put some stuff on. I'm the one trying to put together a, a town hall down the street. I'm, I'm doing it. I've gone to the mayor's office and, and, and uh, the congressman's office. Let's, okay, let's put this together. We got to talk about this. We got to do something. We got to do something. Because we can't just protest. We got to do something. Y'all get ready because I'm about to put y'all, I'm going to mobilize y'all too. Because y'all ain't going to be protesting. I'm going to need somebody, we're going to need to have somebody signed up every month to go to all the city hall, city council meetings, and the school board meetings. So all these decisions aren't being made that we find out at the end of it, what happened? See? So we can't just protest. I'm, I'm, I'm down with protesting. Let's do it. Let's do it. But after the protest, let's be, let's, let's make some, let's put some action to it. You got it? Same guy. Same guy. But I can't leave you at the protest. I need you to know that God has put something inside you to defeat this system. Hallelujah. Now, remember we were talking about coronavirus? According to, this, to the latest figures as of last night, 99.5% of the people who experience coronavirus did not become casualties. Let me say it again. 99.5% of the people who have experienced coronavirus, in other words, they, were contract, they contracted it, they were tested positive, did not become casualties. Glory to God. So just because you experience it doesn't mean you have to become a casualty. Uh, what do you mean, Pastor? Each one of us has experienced inequity. Every one of us. I don't care what color you are, what gender you are, where you're from. Every one of us have experienced inequity or injustice in some way. Again, I told you before, based on your race or based on your gender or based on your economic status based on your religion. 
based on your body shape, based on your looks, your looks and what, what have you. That's based on your past that you've already paid for, already walked away from. So every person on this planet has experienced some sort of inequity or injustice. No one can escape it. But again, you don't have to become a casualty. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God has allowed us, given us room to, uh, to um, be angry. <laughs> Remember I told you all that Wednesday night? Ephesians 4.26, I, I gave you that. See if you can find that uh, in the Amplified, the, the New Amplified, not the classic. Ephesians 4.26 in the New Amplified. Um, talked about be angry and sin not. But in the New Amplified, it kind of spells it out a different way. It says this, be angry at sin, at immorality, at injustice, at ungodly behavior, yet do not sin. So we're supposed to be angry when we see immorality and injustice and ungodly behavior, just, but don't sin. Now, at the same time, don't become a victim. 99.5% of the people who experience coronavirus did not succumb to it. No, that's the number that, the, you know, the media, they don't put that out all the time. They just keep reporting who all died. <laughs> I wish they'd tell us, well, hey, this, I mean, they live. 99.5% of the people live. What they do is, this is exactly what it is, Chris, it is to create a victim mentality in people. It is to make you so afraid that you can't function, that you can't move. And that's the same thing that Satan wants to do to people who've experienced injustice or whatever, or they've seen it, even if you've, you've, even if you've never experienced it to your knowledge. <laughs> or but you've just seen it. You have to be careful not to allow what you've seen and especially what you've experienced, to all of a sudden lock you in. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, because there are many more casualties of injustice than those we've seen on posters. The Trayvon Martins and the Philando Castiles, the Tamir Rice, the little 12-year-old boy in Cleveland, Breonna Taylor in Louisville, the untold casualties are those who allow a victim mentality to control their lives. I'm going to say that again. The untold casualties, not the ones on the posters, it's those who allow a victim mentality to now control their lives. I wish all the brothers and sisters in the world could hear this. I want you to hear that again. The untold casualties, in other words, the numbers that you'll never see, but you'll see the fruit of it, are those who allow a victim mentality to control their lives. I'm going to show you this here in a minute. This is what happens in our schools, to our students. Not the, not the injustice. We know that happens. But what 
happens simultaneously is victim mentalities that control so many people that they excuse away their failure. Y'all don't want to hear it. <laughs> they excuse away their failure and blame it on a system. It's just like we hear people say, uh, the reason I'm not getting promotions is because the man don't like me on the job. Now, we're not going to talk about you were late four out of five days every week. I better, I better get back behind the holy desk. We're not going to talk about the fact that your 15-minute break always turns into 25 minutes. Or that somehow the horn, the horn went off at 5, but you were already going in your car at 4.45. Or you never took time to do the training that people asked you to gave you for free. And the man holding you back. No, you holding yourself back. But there's a system. I know there's a system. I know it. I know it. Don't get me wrong. I know it's out there. Glory to God. Listen to this. And hopefully Brother Kirk will put this out on the, on the group or whatever if you can't write it all down. Victim mentality, according to Wikipedia, is an acquired personality trait. It's an acquired personality trait. You're not born with it. You're not born with this, this trait. You know, certain, some, some traits you're born with. Your brown eyes, your green eyes, you know, your hair, you know, What's that, 42B? What's all these hair? Four C and all this kind of stuff y'all have. That's a weave color, okay, I don't know. Kinky, whatever, straight. Those are traits you're born with. Your height, your build. Now I didn't say your weight, I said your build. Now your weight is acquired. Your build is given to you. <laughs> Ask me how I know. But victim mentality, <laughs> it's an acquired personality trait in which a person tends to recognize or consider themselves as a victim of the negative actions of others and to behave as if this were the case in the face, or I really should put it there, even in the face of contrary evidence of such circumstances. In other words, even when nobody's actually working against you, you perceive that people are, and you behave that way. And I want to make sure I'm not passing a church full of victims, but I'm passing a church full of victors who understand that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. I understand. I understand. I agree. I recognize. Some of you all who, who you know, I, I, I made the mistake yesterday of watching Selma. <laughs> As to why do you watch Selma? 
You can't go watch the movie Selma at a time like this. I did. I felt like it because I wanted to cry. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to. And I watched some of that's how I was. I'm like, my wife, I was outside uh, uh, sitting down and, and just thinking and stuff, but my wife said, you gotta come here this. And I came in there and she went to sleep, but I'm sitting there like. <sighs> Between going, getting mad and then just crying. I'm glad she was asleep because I'm sitting there crying in the bed. <laughs> I was, man. That's serious, man, because this it's, it's, it's stuff is real. It's real. It's real. But put Hebrews 11, 1 in the Amplified Bible on the screen, please. Because I just said something here, and the Holy Ghost was reminded of something. When I said this stuff is real, meaning racism, prejudice, discrimination, injustice, inequity, inequality, it's real. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So faith will make your victory real. Oh my God. Am I in a faith church this morning? Your faith will bring you a real victory. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad for faith. I'm so glad God gave me, according to Romans 12, 3, of the measure of faith. And I'm glad according to Romans 10, verse 17, that I can even grow my faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. According to Luke 17, 1, I can increase my faith. I can grow in faith every day. Glory to God. How many of y'all want to grow in faith? You better grow in faith. Because faith is what's going to get you to victory. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, um, go back and put that definition again of, um, when I said Luke 17, 1, I think it was, about, it was Luke 17, Two or three, where he said, The disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. I saw them trying to find on the screen. Um, victim mentality. That's what I want. I'll read it again for you. Victim mentality is an, is an acquired personality. Your kids aren't born with it. You got to help them get it. Well, son to man. Well, son to man. We don't understand sometimes how we help our children develop a victim mentality. Because we, we talk to them about the realities, but we don't talk about, to them about the realities of faith. You need to teach your children faith. I need my, I need my son to know what's going on. Yes, okay, fine. He's he going to find out what's going on for sure. But you better teach him and her Faith to rise above it. And I'm telling you, I don't care what color you are. It's, it's inequitable when you look at how women are paid less than men.
you know, you know that black people could vote before women could? So even after black people, we got the right to vote, women could, still couldn't vote. Any women. And to this day, LPGA, you know that's Women's Golf Association, WNBA, the U.S. World, the World Soccer Team, the, the, uh, the, the, the Women's Tennis Association, they're still fighting to equal pay. We're doing the same job. Y'all are quiet. Let's just talk about black issues. There's a lot more than black. It's not black issues. It's sin issues. It's the dark and heart of man. I'm aware of black issues. Don't try to treat me like I'm not aware of black issues. Look at me. Look at me. The Bible says, can an Ethiopian change his skin? No. So everywhere I go, people know I'm black. That's why I get offended. I do get offended when the, the gay agenda tries to ride on the back of the civil rights agenda because, oh, it's the same thing. See, nobody has to know about you. Nobody got to know about you. You can keep it a secret. You can, you can stay on the down low all you want to. I can't be black on the down low. I'm black all the time. So I understand, I understand. I'm in the same world you're in. But I refuse to be a victim. So we behave, not we, those who have the victim mentality, because I'm assuming you don't. Behave as if things are the case even in the face of contrary evidence of such circumstances. So in other words, what happens is people will say, I can't do this or I can't do that because the man or the system, well, watch this, watch this, watch this victim mentality, because my, my mother wasn't there for me. Because my father wasn't there for me. See, you see how this goes beyond race? I didn't meet my dad till I was 12. So that's why. I understand, and I, and I feel you're hurt. And I understand. I, I, listen, I understand it. But you're not the only one who's experienced that. And there are people who have overcome and been successful in the same circumstance. And as I said to you, a victim mentality slams the door shut on your own personal prison. A victim mentality slams the door shut on your personal prison. I'll say it one more time. A victim mentality slams the door shut on your personal prison. No past is a system. I understand it's a system. But every child of God can defeat the world. <laughs> you remember we were in Genesis 30, uh, 27 the other night? Oh, man. I don't, know, I don't know what time I started. I don't know what time I'm finished. 
Genesis 28, 27 rather, verse 38 through 40. I don't know, read, read that again. It says, and Esau said to his father, uh, have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, now just so you know what happened, Esau's blessing had been stolen by his brother Jacob. And so now here is Isaac, his father, uh, who's in a situation, okay, uh, this, my son needs something. The one who it belonged to needs something. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother. You remember that? Yes. So you, you have a rough life, Esau. It's going to be, it's going to be challenging. Hello? I'm talking to the right people in here. Your life is going to be challenging. See, we've been dealt a bad, you know, a bad hand. Your life is going to be challenging. Comes with the territory. You couldn't choose what your gender was. You couldn't choose what your race was. You couldn't choose your weight. I mean, your, I'm sorry, your, your build. We can choose our weight. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> you can choose your eye color, your hair color. You understand? So he's saying this is what's going to be by your sort. You shall live. You shall serve your brother. Now watch this. And it shall come to pass when you become, when you become, not when your brother decides to show mercy on you. He says when you become restless, that you shall break his yoke from your neck. Remember I gave you that word restless the other night, dominion. The word rude, R-U-W-D in the Hebrew, which means to ramble free, it means to have the dominion be lord or to rule. Now, we know if you, if you read that chapter when you got home, or we, I think we mentioned that night, verse 41 or so, talked about how uh, Esau was angry. He was going to kill his brother. And he had every, every reason to be angry. And um, before he could do that, though, something snapped inside of him. He's been told, Gershom, that he's going to have a hard life. It's going to be a hard life. But notice his father didn't say, that's, that's your permanent life. He said, it's going to be hard, but when you become restless. In other words, when you decide you've had enough of it, you're going to break his yoke off your neck. You got it? So Isaac put Esau's destiny or Esau's end in his own hands. Not in the hands of his brother. Yes, your brother did you wrong. But your destiny is in your hands. Yes, your brother harmed you. Yes, your brother stole from you. But how your life turns out. It's going to be a rough start now. It's going to be a rough start. But how it turns out, 
is up to you. Glory to God. In other words, now let's go back to this word rude. Ramble free, have dominion, be Lord, rule. Uh, restless is the word that's, that's here, right? In other words, once you get a dominion or the right image on the inside of you, what Isaac was saying is you can never again be dominated. Once you get the right picture inside your own spirit, your own soul, you can never again be held back. Oh my goodness, y'all better have to catch what I'm saying here today. <laughs> now, as I close out, I showed you, Esau could have made excuses. Esau could have spent the rest of his life saying, oh, shucks, man, my brother got me. Ain't never going to be nothing. Ain't never going to have nothing. My brother stole my blessing. My life going to be rough the rest of my life. I'm just going to just stay blank and die. You know what people say. I'm going to just stay black and die. But you, people say I'm going to stay whatever, whatever, and die. That's my lot in life. But something kicked in on the inside of him. He said, wait a minute. Dad spoke over me and said, when I've had enough, and I don't know what year it was, what day it was, what moment it was, but something snapped inside of him. Y'all teenage, y'all guys, y'all getting this, teenage ladies? Y'all hear what I'm saying to you? Something's got to snap inside you. There's more to life than this. I'm called to more than this. I can do better than this. I don't have to be a flunky or a dropout or, or an average person. I, can, I don't have to just be anything. I can be everything God called me to be. I can be everything God put inside me to be. But something has a snap inside you. I know your daddy may be nowhere in the picture, and I know your mama might be half crazy, and I know the system might be all upside your head, and people might have told you you'll never be a chemist. I had, I had a teacher tell me in fifth grade, I'll never be in public speaking. In fifth grade, he told me, he said, you'll never be in public speaking. I said, what kind of inhumane person tells a 10-year-old child what he can't do? Here I am now, publicly speaking. <laughs> Pastor Kim had a teacher in high school tell her, you can, you'll never be a chemist. Let me show you. Took it to the state science fair, won first prize. Then went to school and became a, a, got a double chemistry degree. See, it's, it doesn't matter what they say or anyone says. It matters what do you say on the inside of yourself. If God be for me. Oh, y'all better shout something in here. If God before me, who can be against me? God is on my side. Oh my God. I'm going to try to get you somewhere this morning. Hallelujah. Just shout hallelujah one good time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Esau didn't quit. And he didn't, at some point, he stopped making excuses, if he ever was. He fought and overcame, Jonathan, a victim mentality. So much so, I proved to you, if you went over to chapter 33, we saw where when Esau and, I, and Jacob met again some 21 plus years later, and as, uh, Jacob tries to hand Esau a gift. Let me bless you. Let me, let me, let me, let me make up for what I did to you. And Esau said, bro, I'm good. Hey, I'm good. I, I got my own money now. I got, I got my own estate. I, I got my own fleet. I got my own company. Your yoke was on my neck for a few years, but I finally snapped on the inside of me. Are you hearing me, what I'm saying to you? Say, neighbor, don't become a victim. Let me give you a little more of this here. Y'all got a few minutes? You can never prosper or be successful with a victim mentality. You can never prosper or be successful with a victim mentality. Yes, sir. You can never prosper or be successful with a victim mentality. Victim mentality causes or helps our youth fail in school or people not achieve or seek promotion or go up on their jobs. I ain't going to get it anyway. Why should I apply? I ain't going to get it anyway. Something's wrong. At that point, that's not the system. That's you. <laughs> now, I want to, here's the thing. How do you know if you suffer from a victim mentality? How do I know? I want to give you, just from my searching over the Internet, there's some consensus. Seven common symptoms to look for. Seven common symptoms of victim mentality. I want to see if you see yourself in any one or more of these. Symptom number one. You enjoy sharing your tragic stories with others. You enjoy sharing your tragic stories with others. In other words, you enjoy telling people about, oh, you don't know what I've been through. You enjoy it. I don't just mean you're retelling it and like, you know, I'm over, as a testimony. No, you like, you get some, you know that good feeling you get when you just can tell, I've been through some stuff. My, my dad walked out when I was two. My husband left me with these forehead of kids. Come on now, come on now. Husband left with all his children. Tragic stories. 
what happens when you're doing this, you're establishing, this is, this is what I, I, I was able to get out of this. You're establishing reasons why other people should cut you some slack. That's what you're doing. When you're telling these stories, you're trying to establish a foundation for people to cut you slack. In other words, when you're trying to say, don't expect much out of me, don't hold me to anything because I've been through a lot. Oh, Jesus. Is this all right, Luke? <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's dangerous when you try to give people a reason to cut you slack. Because you'll never become prosperous or successful if you need people to keep cutting you slack. Don't hold me to anything. Don't expect much out of me. If I'm late, you got to understand. It's just in my... This is how, this is how I was raised. My Dot, dot, dot. You don't hear this. Just this week, they announced, and I forget, uh, Pastor Kim just walked out. Maybe you know, there was a, a, a homeless student that was awarded a valedictorian. I forget the county at school where he was, where he is. Homeless. Valedictorian. Homeless. Valedictorian. Which means he did not take on a, this is a young black guy. Did not take on, he was young, black, and homeless. Three strikes. Victim mentality, no sir. Valedictorian, yes sir. Which means he did not allow his tragic experiences of his past hold him back. No, don't don't cut me in the slack. Hold 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 me hold me accountable. Be careful when, this is just a side note right here, be careful when you're dealing with somebody of uh, uh, your same gender or your same race or color and you, try, you expect them to understand. In other words, other words you, you now get on a job and your manager looks like you. Race or gender. You expect them to cut you something like, bro, you understand. Come on, sis, you understand how it is. No. No, I don't understand. No, I don't understand being tardy all the time. No, I don't, I don't understand underperformance. I know I don't understand that. See, and I'm going to just tell you, I'm going to just throw this in here. That was a difference between educators back in, in the days I was growing up. Because those black teachers didn't play. They knew your experience, and that's why they pulled more on you. Hey, look. I'm not going to sit here and flunk out of my class because you're black. Don't tell me about that. They didn't play. Those teachers would come to your house, talk to your mom and your daddy. Number two, number two. Let me, let, me, let me give you a couple more here. Now, 
we can finish these wins tonight. I didn't mean to take this long, but I want to, I want to, thank you, thank you. Number two, you constantly blame other people for situations for how you feel. Constantly blame other people or situations for how you feel. I blame others for how I feel. Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. Pastor, you don't know what they did. I understand. I'm not talking about you not having feelings. I'm talking about you constantly blaming others for how you feel. Because at some point, you have to gain control over your emotions. I understand you've been through hell and high water. But at some point, you and I must gain control over our emotions. I'm not going to give anybody that kind of power over me to dictate to me how I feel 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Some of y'all, your boyfriend broke up with you six years ago and you're still upset and still sad and he don't, he don't moved on. He, now he wrecking somebody else's life and you still feeling sad. He, he don't ruin two other people's lives since then. You ought to be happy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm delivered and set free. Mighty God, glory to God. You set me free. Broke the chains of prison for me. Glory to God. The key is you must get control over your emotions. Now watch, watch. Anybody in sports knows this. Anybody who's ever played team competitive sports knows this. That what, what your opposing team wants to do is get in your head. They want to get in your head. Some of the best trash talkers in the NBA, like Michael Jordan, like Isaiah Thomas, like Magic Johnson, like uh, Reggie, Re Reggie Miller was one of the best trash talkers. Larry Bird, these guys would talk to you while you're, playing, while you're on the court. Talk about your mama, talk about your clothes, talk about your breath, talk about everything while you're on the court trying to get into your head. And now you go and you miss the next 17 shots and you're talking about because you're mad. Yes, bingo, they got it. They got you. And so every athlete understands on the other side of that that I cannot let my opponent get in my head. That I must gain, regain control of my emotions. You've watched it, where, where a, guy, a guy starts bothering somebody, uh, uh, Dennis Rodman was good at this. He'd get in somebody's cross so bad, so people, people will fall out of a game. Technical foul, because they so mad about Dennis Rodman keep messing with them. What happened? They were blaming somebody else for how they felt. No, get control of your emotions. Because if you don't get control of your emotions, your soul will take you to a place. Can, can, I, just, can, I, can I just be frank? Your soul 
uncontrolled enjoys being angry. Am I right about it? Am I, am I right about it? You, when you get angry and you gotta, you, you enjoy it. You know, I like being angry. So I'm gonna stay angry. Your soul, when you run into a situation of sadness, your soul enjoys being sad. I'm talking about your soul. Your soul enjoys that. That's why, that's why when you're, you're going through a breakup or a hard time with your man or your, or your girl, you put on, you don't put on praise music, you put on some more sad music. Is it my turn to wish you were lying here? What? Have you seen her? Tell me, have you seen her? Because your soul wants to run away. That's why the Bible talks about by, by patience possessing your soul. You gotta, you know, soul, get back, come back, come back, come back, come back, come back, come back, get this up together, straighten out. Come on now. Because what'll happen if you don't, then you set yourself up for the next failure. And some good guy or some good girl comes along and your mindset is already, I know it's going to be something. So you just on the edge, you just, you waiting, you watching. It's, it's going it's to be some mess. It's going to be some mess. And you see one little thing and you're like, oh, I see, I knew it. I knew it. All men, all men are like this. They all like this. No, it's not all men. It was that man. And your soul was not in control. All right, let me give you one more. One more. So number one is you enjoy sharing your tragic stories with others. Number two, you constantly blame other people or situations for how you feel. Number three, you possess an everyone is against me philosophy. You possess an everyone is against me philosophy. Well, what's the effect of that? Symptom when it's in your life. You either do nothing or you overdo everything. <laughs> when you possess an everyone is against me philosophy, you either do nothing or you overdo everything. Well, why do I do everything? I mean, why, why, why do I do Everybody's against me. It ain't going to work. You know, ain't, ain't nobody going to like me. Ain't nobody going to support me. Ain't nobody going to support me. I will start a business, but you know, we don't support each other. Crabs in the bucket. Yeah, I know. I understand it's out there. 
Get a shrimp basket. Don't get a crab bucket no more. Just do something different. God has somebody who supports you. God is so powerful, he can put a desire for what you have in other people's hearts. Remember in 2 Kings 4, there was this woman, this widow woman, who had uh, these two sons and all this debt, husband dead and all this debt, and she's going to lose everything. She already, she already lost most of, her, most of her stuff. Now she's going to lose her sons. And she goes to the man of God and says, hey, I'm in trouble. And he says, what do you have in your house? I got this little bit of oil. Go and borrow a bunch of vessels from all around town. How do they find empty vessels? And all of a sudden, now everybody in town needs what she has. God divinely arranged for everybody in town to need what she has. So don't let this victim mentality make you do nothing. And on the flip side, don't let it make you overdo everything. What do you mean by overdo everything? Because what happens is now you're going to prove something. My family said I wasn't going to make it. I'm going to prove. I'm going to show them. And you're, you're in just as much danger when you overdo everything. Because you're not being led. You're being driven by some insatiable desire to prove something. It'll drive you to do things. It'll drive you to blow your own money. Trying to prove something to somebody. They said I wasn't going to make it. Show them. And then you look, end up looking crazy to everybody except you. Praise the Lord. You want one more? All right, let me, I, I'll give you one more. That's all. One more. Only because you're pretty. Number four. Now y'all got number three? You do nothing and you overdo or you overdo everything because you think everybody's against you. Tell your neighbor, everyone's not against you. Put up Psalm 118 real quick. Psalm 118 and verse 5. Psalm 118 verse, verse 5. I think that's the one I'm thinking about. I called the Lord. I'm going to read a couple of ones. I called the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a what? Verse 6 here. Verse 6. I called the Lord. Uh, what happened? Oh, you put, you put them together now. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do. To me, the Lord, here it is, verse 7. The Lord is for me among those who help me. That's all. So there is someone that God will put here to help you. Did y'all catch that? There's someone God will put in your path to help you. So everyone is not against you. But if you have that victim mentality, you'll miss your helpers because you're looking out for your haters. Go, go put that back on there, verse 7. Verse 7. Just, just Give me just verse 7. Psalm 118, verse 7. Verse, just, just verse 7. Just verse 7. That's all I want. Just verse 7. The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. I showed you that Wednesday night before I started preaching. You have helpers in your life and you have haters. 
don't miss your helpers so concerned about your haters. Everyone is not a hater. God brings, how many of y'all have experienced that already in your life? God has brought somebody in your life at just the right, even if it's just for a season. Even if it was just for a season, God sent them along to help you. So, so there are some people who God, who God has sent to help you get started. Then they're, then they're gone. And he'll send somebody else who will help you take it to another level. And then they're gone. And he'll send somebody else to help you just go, okay, go a little higher. So God has people who will help you. Tell you that, but God has people who will help you. You're not by yourself. Everyone's not against you. I'm not against you. I may not be able to help you, but somebody will. And the Lord is for me among those who help me. That's it. Nah. Don't you realize all your other church folk going home by now? All right, all right, let me get you last one. Well, number four. This, but this is the last one. Because y'all begging. Number four. You feel powerless to change your circumstances. You feel powerless to change your circumstances. That's exactly what the enemy is after. He knows you are not powerless, Dwight. He just wants you to feel powerless to change your circumstances. He knows that if you will launch out in faith, there's nothing you can't do. He knows if you believe, nothing will be impossible for you. He knows that if you trust the Lord God, there's nothing he can do to stop you. So he has to work on your feelings. Just to get you to feel powerless. Because a person who feels powerless won't do anything. Reminded of a story, I heard this story from the first time ever from uh, my brother-in-law, Dr. Oliver. Years ago, we were, we were still on First Avenue North, in the building on First Avenue North on, on uh, uh, this has been 2000, maybe. Yeah, right after we got married, yeah. And he tells a story, and it, it, it's, it's so appropriate right now about feeling powerless, that about this little baby elephant who was tied to a post, Little, little old post, the baby elephant. And because the post was strong, the rope was strong, the baby elephant tried to move and he couldn't move. He couldn't move. So he became used to every day just, I can only go so far. Boom. Because every time he moved, he, that rope would tug him. That little pole, that little stake would hold him. But what he didn't realize was every day as he was eating, he was growing stronger. And stronger. And he was getting bigger and bigger. 
And as over the years, as he, uh, the several months, as he grew, it became a full-size pachyderm. He didn't understand how big he was. How powerful he had become. So whereas he had the strength inside of him to yank that rope and that stake out of the ground, he felt powerless. And he never he never moved. He accepted his lot in life because he didn't know how big he had become. And if you don't know the power of faith inside you, you will feel powerless to change your circumstances. And don't know, that system we talking about, it's a little rope and a little stake. No, pastor's a big system, the man runs it. It's a little rope and a little stake compared to the big faith that's on the inside of you. When you become restless, when you've had enough, when you say, I can't take it anymore, you're going to break loose and run free and become all that God has called you to be. Because you've broken out of a victim mentality. Do y'all receive that today? Do y'all receive that today? Will you stand on your feet and give God, our Father God, a great big hand of praise and appreciation to let him know you received this word and you're going to walk by faith and not by sight. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. I'm going to walk in victory. I'm going to live in power. I'm going to walk in dominion. I'm not going to let anybody turn me around. I'm not going to let any system stop me. There is a system out there designed and devised by Satan. The Bible says don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. He's got some strategies that are designed to keep people down. And if you think it's just black, you're wrong. Because at the top of the system is covetousness, it's the love of money. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. So when you're, when you're dealing with money, it doesn't matter what color you are, what gender you are, what nationality you are. At the top of the echelon is people who are controlling money. You, not, you understand, I understand we have been adversely affected and seems to be uh, disproportionately affected by it. I understand it. I understand it. But God told Joshua, I'll get to it Wednesday night, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. My, no system. Nobody. Nobody. But I told you, my wife and I are more determined now than we've ever been to preach you and lead you into an abundant life, a prosperity, a life beyond comparison that you rise far above in the system of this world. And we're not going to leave our children let them fall below and live below and be satisfied and just expect us to understand. No, I don't understand. I don't understand failure. I don't understand average. 
You don't get an excuse because you're a girl. You don't get an excuse because you didn't know your father. You're a foster child. Wonderful. I understand. Thank God for, his, for him making a way. Now rise up. Let something click on the inside of you. And become, become, become what God's called you to be. Amen? All right, Lord, thank you. Thank you for how you are challenging us and charging us. And how, Lord, you're, you're such a great father. You're not going to let us get sucked in to a mindset that would cause us to hold our own selves back. Thank you that you've already made a way for every human being to prosper and be successful. You've given us your word, your laws, your commandments, oh God. You, you said in your word that you, it's you that gives us power to get wealth. So if it comes from you, we can bypass man and systems. It's you. And so, Father, I'm asking you today that for each and every one of these, your precious people who are standing here, those who are watching online, those who may watch later on, that, Lord, they get a clue, an image on the inside of them of who you've called them and all of us to be. And to know that just as you were with Moses and you were with Joshua, just as you were with Jesus, you're with, you are with us. And God, we can overcome. And we don't have to wait on somebody to give us something or do something for us. You've given us the ability by faith to access the treasure house of Satan, of, of, of heaven. By faith to access the storehouse of heaven. By faith to tap in the unlimited resources of heaven. To walk in and live in the kingdom and our inheritance. So today we love you. We thank you. We bless you. We honor you for making us victorious people. We give you praise. We give you glory. And we give you all the honor. It's in Jesus Christ's master's name we do pray. Everybody who agrees, say amen. 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 Put those hands together one more time and give God a praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God.